friends. Welcome to another episode of the Best You Can Be Leadership Podcast. So if you've been listening for a while, you probably know that our mission here is to cultivate confidence through leadership and wellness. And today's guest brings us an extra special treat, leaning a little bit more towards the wellness aspect, but also she just is such a leader in so many, so many ways. So today I get to have a conversation with Dr. Deanna Holdren. She, just to give you a little bit of background on her, she graduated from Ohio University Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine and she's a board-certified family practice physician. Today, she practices in the area of functional medicine, meaning she specializes in nutritional healing, bioidentical hormone balance, whole body detoxification, and also the reversal of inflammation within the body. So all super important, very critical things. She has a book, Dr. Deanna's Healing Handbook, a podcast called Ask Dr. Deanna, and she also happens to be a very dear family friend of mine and someone I look up to a lot. One of my favorite parts of this conversation is when she explains to us some of the reasons why so many people, and especially young people, unfortunately, are experiencing anxiety, and she just shares some of the common things, whether observations or contributing factors that she sees personally on a pretty daily basis in her practice. Um, Anxiety also happens to be something she helped me work through a lot, and I'm so, so thankful. She helped me understand how anxiety works as well as helped me treat it so I could bring that perspective of understanding and having just this background knowledge into my healing journey. I really hope you enjoy this conversation and definitely follow along with her in some way, shape, or form to just keep learning in bite-sized pieces about such important nutritional topics. Welcome to today's episode of the Best You Can Be Leadership Podcast, where we offer bite-sized lessons and steps that you can implement as a part of your journey towards becoming the very best that you can be. This is your podcast host, Brigitte Bornstein, and just so you know, for planning purposes, we release a new episode the first and third Tuesday of every month with some amazing guests. Thank you so much for joining me for today's discussion. I hope you'll return my handshake to you. You can do that through becoming a part of this community on Instagram, my website, bestyoucanbe.com, or by subscribing and leaving helpful comments. Hello, Dr. Deanna. Welcome so much to the podcast. I'm really excited to have you here today. Thank you, Brigida. I'm excited to, to finally have this work out and to be a guest on your podcast. I love what I you're do. doing and the message that you're sending to people. Thank you so much. And I've, I've been wanting to have you on for forever. It feels like, and I I had you kind of on my chicken list for a while. And then I asked and we'll get into this, but you are someone who's super busy and spinning a lot of plates. So I just really appreciate your time. Well, you are very, very welcome. And uh, sometimes I think plate spinning is my specialty. (laughs) I mean, and I think that's super important. So, um, well, we'll just jump right in then to the to the, some of the questions that I had for you because it has to do with spinning lots of plates. Um, so we are a leadership and a wellness podcast, and I just felt like you were the perfect candidate for someone who bridges this beautiful gap between leadership and wellness, you know, because not only do you lead patients all day long by partnering with them and kind of holding their hand through whatever their leadership and health journey is. 
but you also speak to a lot of different groups of all different sizes. You've written a book, Dr. Deanna's Healing Handbook. You have a podcast, all of these massive leadership things. So I wanted to just ask you from your personal perspective, how has your nutrition helped you show up just firing on all cylinders for the many, many different commitments that you have? Well, that, that's, a, it, that's a fantastic question. And um, it does make a difference. I'll tell you, um, I, you know, probably, the, the best way I can, can really summarize it would be to give you an example um, from my own life. And when I was in medical school, um, which was many, many, many years ago, a long time ago, um, we had what we called the low-fat cardiac diet. And the low-fat cardiac diet was something that really should ne never have happened in my opinion. Uh, but at any rate, we were trained on that. And, um, you know, always being a health minded person, I decided that I would follow that particular plan, even though I had no history of heart disease, no family history, anything like that. And so what happened is um, I basically eliminated the fat because it was a low fat diet. When you eliminate fat, you end up eating basically carbs, carbs and sugar. And I had some trouble with my concentration. I had trouble, um, I can remember reading things in med school and becoming very frustrated and thinking, I have read this 10 times and I have no idea what I just read. Well, now I know that was rooted in malnutrition because I had eliminated those essential fats. Uh, you know, they, they call them essential uh, because it's essential that we get them in our diet. We can't, our bodies can't make them. Uh, but because of that, I had thrown myself into a state of malnutrition. And so, you know, I know that nutrition is so important. And so, you know, even as I go through my work day, um, I've always been uh, very, very um, uh, cognizant of um, just you know, brain health. Okay. I, I read a book probably 15 years ago, uh, Dr. David Perlmutter, who's a neurologist. He's a functional neurologist at this point, but he wrote the better brain book. I think that was probably his first book. He's had many, many, many since then. Uh, but anyway, I read that and that made so much sense to me uh, in terms of how do we feed the brain with what we're eating, you know, with any supplements we're taking and so forth. And so those are some of the things that I've done. Um, but now, you know, practicing medicine and doing all the things that I do, if I ever feel like, you know, I, I'm, let's say, for example, something very simple, like I cannot remember this person's name. Okay. That is a red flag to me that I need to look at my nutrition and maybe something is a little off because that is not normal for me. Um, so, so there are little things like that, that have helped me along the way. And uh, I think that the essential fats are so key for, for healthy brain function and just being able to stay sharp mentally and, you know, perform the things that, that we've been given to do uh, in our lives. That's so interesting. I didn't quite know that much detail about your personal story with that, but it definitely does kind of, I mean, something I personally had to undo with the healthy fats was they are so much more calorically dense. And yes. when I went through my own, like, Oh, got a, you know, calorie in calorie out, whatever. Um, I would limit them. This was a long time ago, obviously, before I met you, um, but I would limit them because of the calories and that didn't work out so well. I'm glad we're all learning and I'm glad that's kind of getting away from low fat diet craziness. Um, the availability of information is something I'm super thankful for. Um, you know, like I already said, you run your own practice, you you have your own business, publishing a book. You're also a mom. <laughs> and um, that is a job in and of itself. But I was wondering if you could introduce us to 
your family a little bit and just share some of the nuggets that you've learned to help you balance so many things in addition to that personal life aspect? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I actually have four children and um, I'm, my husband's name is Joe. Uh, Joe is an accountant and uh, he actually works for the state of Ohio. And uh, anyway, so, so we have this whole, um, you know, he does finance, I do medicine. Um, you know, we don't really talk about it in the middle, okay? <laughs> because that's not a topic I'm interested in and he's not interested in medicine. So that kind of gives you kind of an overarching theme of the dynamic here. Um, but then I've got, we've got four children. Um, um, my son uh, is an engineer um, and um, he is 27. Uh, I have a um, daughter who's 25. Actually, you know what? He's only 26. He'll be 27 <laughs> this year. Uh, a daughter who's 25. She is a TESOL teacher. She teaches English um, to uh, children who um, uh, you know, do not speak English as a first language. Mm. Uh, so, so that is Lauren. And then Rachel is, has just completed her first year of medical school. Uh, and then Elizabeth is eight years old and looking forward to the third grade. <laughs> so we've got a big wide range. And um, I think that, you know, when I look at, you know, our family, one of the things that I have tried to do is to, to utilize um, nutrition Okay, even when the older three, you know, were in in junior high, high school, whatever, to utilize nutrition to help them perform at optimal levels, to help them get ahead in life, because it is so key. What I found is that if that nutrition is up to par, is where it needs to be, um, they actually perform better. They perform tremendously better. So, so that's one of the ways that I have implemented that. Uh, you know, it's been a busy life. I like it busy. Um, I like to stay active. I like to, you know, be engaged in things. And so, you know, we, even today, as the older three have their own lives, we still very much do life together as a family. We go on vacations, you know, we just do uh, so many things together. And it's because that's what we've always done. I think that the balance that I was able to create uh, early on is something that has continued you know, into, you know, their, you know, early adulthood. So, so that's been really a blessing uh, to, to be able to do all the things that we've done. I don't know how you do it all, but um, it's just really inspiring. I guess you must have just impeccable time management skills that on top of all of that too. <laughs> um, you know, Brigida, I think that it's a lot of focus. And then also I know that um, sometimes, you know, a, a, a tip or a key is that you know, this is a little thing that I'm doing today, but it's the consistent, consistent manner that make the difference in the long run. And so it could be something that, that may seem very insignificant today, but I know that it makes a difference in the long run. And so I just choose to do it anyway, even though I may not, you know, it's the stuff that, that happens behind the scenes that I think really makes the difference in terms of what, you know, people see out there on, um, you know, in life and in social media and all that kind of stuff. So, so just the consistency and, and that's definitely, uh, you know, that's a self-discipline for sure, um, which is something that I had to have um, just to be able to make it through medical school. You've got to be self-disciplined. Yeah, I, I really like that. And I can see how that's the case. Um, but it also kind of just brings me back to how important it is that you know how to fuel your body the way you do. And so that you're not kind of doing work 
and then coming home <laughs> and just turning into a couch potato. Cause I actually was, I was talking with somebody yesterday who is very busy. Um, she just loves to do all sorts of different things. Um, but she did just admit to me kind of, you know, it was a very little snippet, but I picked up on it, how she kind of wishes that she could use that extra time, but she's so tired from her work and her other things, you know, and maybe hasn't figured out how to like fuel that properly that in her dead time, her free time, which could be used to do something fun or creative or, you know, cultivate community or just rest or something. Um, it's just kind of like blah time, um, which I feel like happens to a lot of people. Um, so it's interesting to hear that you're able to kind of use that instead. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that, you know, again, you know, we all need to rest. Okay. Mm -hmm. Fortunately. And, and I think that this is, you know, one of, one of my secrets, I guess, to success is that I'm an excellent sleeper. It really doesn't matter what's going on in my life or in the world. I will sleep for six hours straight and I will wake up refreshed. I will not get up during those six hours and I will have had two REM cycles. Um, so, so that's a typical for me. So, which is an advantage and I get it. Not everybody is able to do that. Um, and, you know, but there are times certainly after work to relax. I think that dinner is a, can be a very relaxing time for people. Uh, and then, you know, even though the evening is winding down, there's still a lot of time to, to do some things and to have some fun. For sure. For sure. I wanted to shift gears a little bit to something, um, that for me is maybe a little bit more personal. I don't mind sharing, but you helped me work through anxiety a ton. Um, and that is something I am so, so thankful for. I came to you probably at, um, I would say my lowest with that, where it was just spiraled completely out of control. And I think, unfortunately I found after going through that healing journey from that, um, and just learning how to manage it on my own and with you and everything, I found that more people struggle with that than I realized. And that unfortunately it's fairly common. And even in young people who I feel like are kind of supposed to, we all assume that, you know, young people are supposed to be healthy, whatever, and it's just supposed to be easier, but um, definitely a big issue. So I wanted to just ask you, what are some of the most common ways you find people are able to just successfully kind of grow beyond or manage their anxieties, just since that's such a big issue. It, it's a huge issue. And unfortunately it is worsening. Okay. We are seeing more and more of it. And um, I do think that a lot of it has to do with diet. Absolutely. Specifically glyphosate, which I know we're going to kind of, you know, go into that a little bit more. Um, glyphosate is, is the act is the ingredient in Roundup, which is mass sprayed on our foods. And we are actually consuming that, uh, if we are not, um, cognizant of it and eating, you know, have a commitment to eat a clean diet. Uh, but anxiety is you know, in my mind, it is rooted either in genetics. Okay. Sometimes it's genetics. Uh, and then the other thing that it can really be involved there is the gut. Okay. The, the microbiome. And, you know, even if somebody's got a genetic um, predisposition toward anxiety, uh, they may be able to manage that very, very well if they are really on board with nutrition, the gut microbiome, and making sure that they're healthy from that standpoint. Um, it's when things get, you know, off balance or whatever uh, in the microbiome, you know, they go on vacation for a week and they eat whatever they want. And suddenly, you know, they're having anxiety. Okay. It's coming rushing back. 
Um, so, so nutrition is a huge part of, of controlling the anxiety. And I'll, I'll give you an example of that here in a minute. Um, but that's a big part, um, you know, healing the gut, getting that where it needs to be. One of the tests that I like to do there is um, something called a GI map. Um, which is by Diagnostic Solutions. That's the company that does it. It's a functional medicine company. Uh, but that is wonderful because it looks at everything, the breakdown of, okay, what is in my gut? What's, what is making up my, my microbiome? Are there any bugs in there that are what we call pathogenic, meaning that they're causing a problem? Um, H. pylori might be one. E. coli might be a certain strain of E. coli might be one, et cetera. Well, those microbes, okay, if they're you know out of balance or you've got something in there that shouldn't be there, can absolutely cause a problem. Why? Because it is it, basically they they will feed off of you know some of the the vitamins, the nutrients. They'll cause inflammation uh, in the gut, and then all of a sudden we're not able to absorb those key nutrients, okay? The nutrients of a lot of the B vitamins, um, you know, if you look at how are B vitamins, you know, involved in uh, anxiety, it's, a tr it's tremendous, okay? They're very much involved. Well, if my gut is a mess and I either can't absorb my B vitamins or something else is using them, um, then, then, you know, I'm going to struggle with anxiety from that standpoint. So the nutrition is key, right? Uh, and then of course, exercise is such an amazing tool and it doesn't have to be go to the gym for an hour and, you know, work hard and, you know, all of that stuff. It doesn't have to be that people need to realize that, you know, even if it's a walk for 10 minutes, okay, you can break it up. It doesn't have to be an hour, you know, in a day, but you could maybe walk for 10 or 15 minutes, a fast pace, you know, get your heart rate up, all of that, and then do it again later in the day. So taking advantage of those little chunks, uh, it is not uncommon for me um, to, you know, to, to walk as a form of exercise um, at a very, 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 you know, fast pace, doing hills, whatever, um, twice a day. Okay. So that's something why, because even when I'm seeing patients, my preference, when I finish my morning, uh, you know, group of patients, I like to go out for 15 minutes and there are three major hills on this university campus, right where my office is and try to hit all three of those hills. It usually takes me about 17 minutes. Okay. So I know how long it takes to do that and then come back and sure. I might be hot and sweaty. I can cool off or whatever, but it makes a huge difference. Okay. Because I've been physical, I've been able to help manage anxiety. A lot of great healthy neurotransmitters are released when I'm doing that, um, that exercise and so forth. So recently I have um, worked with um, a 13 year old, a 13 year old who is, you know, really struggling with anxiety and, you know, did that particular test um, you know, for this uh, person and, um, you know, was able to discover, okay, just recently got the results back, but I can look at the test results and see, okay, this is in fact our problem. Okay. Mm -hmm. Which was my suspicion all along was that it was a gut issue. Um, but in looking at that test result, it absolutely is. And, you know, for this particular person, eliminating gluten becomes key. Um, you know, for some of us, we're sensitive to gluten. We don't do well with it. Well, if you're sensitive to gluten, it's going to inflame your GI system and you're not going to be able to, to, um, you know, absorb those nutrients. So, so again, that's just an example where for this particular person, you know, nutrition, probiotics, all of that is going to make a huge difference. So I'm, I'm excited to see that result because I know that's something that I can manage that I can do something with. I really appreciate you just explaining that because I think for me, and I think for anybody else listening who either 
has struggled, is struggling, or knows someone who's who's dealing with anxiety. I when I had my anxiety and panic attacks, more the panic attacks, I think I made it worse because I just I didn't know all of that or any of it. So I kind of um, would make it much much worse because it felt more like what's wrong with me? How come I can't manage this? What's wrong with my coping mechanisms? <laughs> um, and that would just sort of make it go worse and worse. So then I just remember when you sat down and kind of explained it to me, um, it at least felt like a puzzle I could solve as opposed to something completely out of my control or my fault. And I think that's just a really, really important message. What are you seeing as, do you see any like things kind of in society that you feel like, or just like our culture or way of living that are contributing to anxiety? Because I feel like a lot of people will talk about social media or this or that. Do you have any opinion on that? Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, definitely if I look at, you know, your generation, Brigida, and I were to ask you, because your generation is the first generation that, that did not have social media and then did have social media. So you know what life was like without social media and can just really put those two things side by side and look at the before and look at the after. Um, So social media has had such an impact on anxiety and, you know, on, on this, you know, again, on social media, we are seeing highlight reels. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're, we're watching highlight reels and then people think that that's what they have to measure up to. And, you know, that is not the case at all because we are all human. Okay. Life is messy. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, there are things that are going to happen and it's okay. You know, it's what you do with that, that really makes the difference. That's really the, the story. It's not so much the um, you know, that this is what happened or whatever. It's the, it's the, what did you do with that? And, and, you know, how did you become a better person because of that, whatever that thing was that happened? So that's what excites me. But um, unfortunately, that is not a message that is, that is, um, you know, maybe being taught out there. And I feel like so many people, you know, again, just get really hung up on the whole social media thing. Um, I wish that, that it, that it either would be, you know, turned off um, or that it would be certainly not for junior high kids, not for high school kids, because I don't think that it's, that it's healthy at all. And it it absolutely contributes uh, to the anxiety. I think also, um, you know, the fast pace, um, the fast pace in which we are able to, to have access to information. Okay. It's just so rapid. And I think that can be you know, a little bit of anxiety, uh, causing some anxiety as well. I mean, you think about it, we don't have to think, okay, because we can just, you know, go to the phone and you can look up anything and everything. Well, thinking is actually an activity um, that, that requires us to just kind of be still and, you know, just to, to, to really um, consider things. And, you know, when I, I think that we're kind of losing that somewhat, and I, I know for me in medicine, um, you know, it's so important. You know, I, I always want to know, well, why is that happening? Why is it that way? You know, I end up thinking about medical conditions and issues a lot, and it definitely makes a difference. You know, for me, it makes a difference for my patients as well. Uh, but I think that when, when we are not doing that, when we are just moving through life at this very, you know, rapid pace, that in and of itself contributes to the anxiety. Definitely. I I didn't think about how my generation did have 
life with and without. <laughs> but um, as soon as you said that, it just made me think really quickly of, um, I uh, did a, a book club with some friends from church reading um, Sadie Robertson Huff, who is just a kind of leader in the Christian community. And she wrote a book called, Who Are You Following? All about this topic, but from a faith-based perspective. And um, I'm just talking about the comparison trap on social media. And I just remember we all, you know, we're all around the same age and we just said, man, I am so thankful I didn't have Instagram in high school or in middle school. And I mean, I felt like I was a late bloomer because I just, all my friends had it and then I didn't get it until halfway through college. And just so happens that halfway through college is when the anxiety started kicking in. I'm not sure that that's, you know, I'm not sure that that's exactly what caused it necessarily, but it definitely, definitely didn't help. Um, so it's something that's just interesting to note and kind of learn how to navigate better. Um, well, I, I think that it's, it's important to realize that we are all impressionable, no matter how strong you are, no matter how strong you are mentally, no matter how strong you are emotionally. Okay. We are all impressionable and any one of us can kind of start to get off course in a very short period of time. And I think it's important to recognize when you are off course in your thinking or with your emotions uh, and so forth and make an immediate correction. Because what happens is if we just ignore it, it's just slightly off course. The next thing you know, you're another degree off course and then another degree and another degree. And before you know it, it is so hard to find your way back to what would be your true north um, on a compass that, that it's, it becomes paralyzing. And so I think, you know, being cognizant of that and, and being willing to make those one degree course corrections so that you can stay on the right path, um, that's going to help, you know, reduce anxiety as well. Yeah, that's really good though, that, that we're all impressionable. Um, well, I did want to ask you because this topic to me is just massive and you've touched on it in your book and your podcast, um, but it's just the importance of, you know, considering avoiding gluten and just the massive issue of glyphosate. So I know this is just a huge question, but I was wondering if you could just explain, and you already touched on it a little bit, um, but if you could explain the main issue with it and, and why we should consider avoiding it for just optimal health and longevity, maybe not just anxiety, but for health in general. Okay. Excellent. Yes. Yes. So this is something I'm passionate about. Okay. Um, and I had to understand this because again, we see so many teenagers today who are a complete wreck. They are a wreck um, emotionally, mentally, um, you know, they are just a mess and this is part of it. Okay. So this is so key. And I'm probably, you know, one of the most important takeaways from today's uh, podcast. And basically glyphosate is a chemical. It is a chemical that is found in Roundup or weed killer. Um, what we have done in, in, in the U.S. is we have genetically modified plants so that you can, crops, so that you can basically mass spray this weed killer on them. The, the crops are resistant to it, so they continue to grow and the weeds die. So it sounds great, right? Um, sounds like a great advance. Well, the problem is there are, um, you know, contaminants or portions of that glyphosate actually do end up in the plants. Okay. Uh, then they also found out that the glyphosate is um, a great desiccant or a drying agent. So they will mass spray cro crops that are not even genetically modified. They'll mass spray those 
Uh, and then, so again, we're getting amounts of this glyphosate in Cheerios, in goldfish, in you know, basic foods um, that, that are very much a part of the standard American diet. So, so, so that's part of the problem. Okay, well, what does glyphosate do? Well, initially they thought that glyphosate was safe for human consumption, um, you know, that it just had an effect on plants. Well, what we now know is that it actually is detrimental to the gut microbiome. So the gut bugs, the things that are alive in our gut that, that are, you know, critical for life um, are being destroyed by this glyphosate through something called the shikimati pathway. And what happens is there are specific strains of the microbiome that, that end up being rendered um, you know, inactive or essentially inert or dead, okay? So it doesn't work, it kills off your microbiome. And now all of a sudden you are susceptible to all kinds of issues. Um, one of the biggest ones that we see in medicine um, is something called C. difficile. That's a diarrhea infection. You, you oftentimes people think, oh, you get that from taking too much antibiotics. Um, yes, antibiotics will trigger it, okay, because you're also killing off microbiome with that. Um, but a bigger issue in terms of how do you protect from it, uh, because as healthcare workers, we are in fact, you know, exposed to this regularly. Um, it is making sure that your gut is healthy and not eating the glyphosate. So, so glyphosate, again, you know, renders this whole gut microbiome. And that's just what we know so far. I suspect that as time goes on, we will continue to learn more. You know, you see all kinds of lawsuits out there now, class action lawsuits and so forth, because of, um, you know, certain cancers that people develop because of glyphosate. And, you know, you can say, well, that's from spraying, that's from, you know, whatever. Um, but well, no, you know what? Your immune system is in your gut. About 80% of it is right there in the gut. And you are having a negative impact on that when we are eating the glyphosate. So that's why it's so important to eat clean. Okay. So clean foods that are whole foods, nutrient dense and clean. That's pretty much what I try to teach all of my patients. It's definitely hard to, to avoid though, because it's in so many boxed things, which is why I know in your podcast, you said, just avoid the boxes, just avoid anything packaged. Well, and that's something to Brigitte. You know what? I should touch on that because, um, you know, we, we can't be all or none. Okay. We can try to eliminate these things as much as we can. None of us are going to be able to eliminate it entirely. There are organic farms that have trouble eliminating this. Um, because the farmer, you know, two farms over uses it, um, or, you know, honeybees, you know, things like that, they are being, you know, dramatically impacted by uh, this as well. So, so, you know, but we can't have an all or none mentality, we've got to decide that we're gonna, I'm going to do what I can do. And I'm going to make healthy choices. There are going to be times, however, in life that, that, you know, I'm at an event or whatever, and I'm just going to eat, you know, what is there. Um, you know, and try to be, you know, to, to eat as clean as I can and so forth. But there are times we can't be all or none, because I think that if we are all or none, um, you know, one, we, we end up not getting healthy, okay, mm -hmm. uh, because we continue in the none category. Uh, but then again, if we're all the way on this other side of all, um, so that can contribute to anxiety. So there has to be a healthy balance. Okay, so, so if you look at my, my, you know, med school Low, low fat diet, low fat cardiac diet, I was all or none. Okay. Mm -hmm. I was either going to do it all the way or none of the way. And for me, all of the way meant eliminating all of the fat, which clearly is not a good choice. Good to know that at least our body has like 
I guess, built-in protective and healing mechanisms, but I definitely personally feel better being closer to the nun, um, but it is definitely hard to get that 100%. Something else I wanted to ask you, also a very open-ended question, um, which is just if you could snap your finger and fix one thing in the majority of young women's health lives, what would that be for you? You know, that's, that's a big question. I think that I probably would be helping them understand the importance of gut health. You know, that really would be, and, and, you know, I've got some, some of, some of my podcasts go specifically into gut health. I've covered it quite a bit, um, which are just 10 10 minute snippets to kind of help people get healthy short listening, that sort of thing. Um, Because a lot of times it is, you know, deeper, you know, material that's, you know, got the science background or whatever. Um, But I think the gut health, and the reason I say that is that gut health has a huge impact on anxiety, overall mental health. It's not just anxiety, it's joy. It's, you know, a lot of other things that we feel as well. It has a huge impact on our immune system. How do I remain healthy? Well, I've got to take care of my gut in order to be healthy because of the immune system. I want my immune system to fight cancer. I want my immune system to fight viruses and other, you know, diseases and so forth. So from that standpoint, and then the the third point on that is that, you know, this group of women, you know, young women, you are, you know, will be birthing the next generation. And what's going on in your gut is the microbiome that your new baby gets. Okay. Your baby um, will basically develop their, their microbiome as they, you know, pass through the birthing canal uh, and so forth. So that's something as moms that we pass on. So the healthier we are in from a gut standpoint, the healthier the next generation will be as well. So, you know, and you can be born with a super healthy, you know, microbiome, but then kind of get off track through eating the standard American diet. But um, so again, you know, one of the best things for people to do is eat whole foods, nutrient dense, clean, get away from the standard American diet, nothing in a box, nothing in a package, nothing in a drive-through window. Those are kind of the keys. If you can make it at home and you know exactly what just went into that, you know, that's a whole food, that's a whole meal. And, you know, that's really the way that we need to be eating. We need to be cooking more. Which definitely can be done, I think, incrementally. It's not like an over overnight thing, but I just hope that's not, it, it shouldn't be overwhelming because I think it just comes with time and with practice. And I feel like, Um, I have thrown the biggest questions your way and we've only scratched the surface, which is why um, I'm definitely going to be linking to all of your resources, your book for somebody who wants to dive in further, your podcast for somebody who wants to just get that little nugget and tidbit of information each week in their, you know, car drive or something, because all of these topics are definitely way more complicated. And I feel like understanding them really helps avoid the issues and kind of stay in the green zone, at least that's just how my brain works. If I understand how something is going to affect me, then it's like, oh yeah, no, I don't want this, you know, piece of whatever it is. Um, it's just kind of a natural thing, but I do just have one last kind of fun question for you. And I just wanted to ask what you are currently reading or recently have read. So just at some point that you really enjoyed. Um, you know what I've got, a, the, I am the person who's usually reading five or six books at a time. I don't know why I don't just, you know, grab one and go straight through it. Uh, but most recently, my most recent book is Dr. Perlmutter has a new book out called drop acid. 
And um, it's all about uric acid. And in med school, we're taught that uric acid, you know, has an impact, of course, on gout. Okay, people who have gout know about uric acid. Um, kidney stones sometimes, okay, can be caused by that. Um, but he basically goes, takes it a step further and looks at uric acid um, with metabolic syndrome, where people are struggling with hypertension, diabetes, um, you know, uh, uh, cardiac disease, et cetera. So it's a pretty fascinating read. Um, I've enjoyed it. I always enjoy uh, his materials. So that's my latest drop acid by Dr. Perlmutter. It's got a tart cherry on the front. So drop acid is all about yeah, you use the tart cherry juice to basically pull down, naturally pull down that uric acid level. That's why he's calling it drop acid. Very interesting. Very interesting. Sounds good. Definitely. I'm not sure if it's a light read, but it sounds good. <laughs> sounds like my kind of book. Um, well, thank you so much, Dr. Deanna. This was a pleasure. I always learned so much from you and just really admire you since I've been able to work with you as a patient, but then also consider you, you know, a family friend. I just really appreciate your very genuine approach. I think I've always felt just so listened to and so understood and very much like an individual case, I guess, with you. Um, and that would be as a friend or as a patient. And I'm just so thankful for your work in this area and your work to educate other people and kind of get these messages out so that we can all just step-by-step little by little, start feeling our best and um, get away from all of the problems that are just kind of making us all tired or, or struggling in some way, shape or form. So I'm super thankful for you and thankful for your time today. Thank you much. It was my pleasure to spend this morning with you and have morning coffee uh, talking about things that I'm passionate about. So thank you. Thanks so much for joining me on the Best You Can Be Leadership Podcast. If you are as excited as I am about diving into our potential and stepping into the very best versions of ourselves, then follow me on Instagram at bestyoucanbe, and don't be afraid to send me a message. You can also visit bestyoucanbe.com and fill out a contact me form. I can't wait to meet you. In this episode, I've stuck my hand out to introduce myself to you, but go ahead and do the same for me. Tell me who you are, what your story is, and what you would like to see most in lessons to apply to your leadership experiences. Until next episode, keep going, keep growing, and keep becoming the best you can be.